welcome to the Birth Activists podcast, hosted by me, Becky Scott, and fellow doula and activist, Samantha Gadsden. Okay, hello everybody, welcome back to the Birth Activists podcast, and Sam and I are joined today by a very special guest, which is Neil McAvoy. Hi Sam, hi Neil. Hi Becky, hi Neil. Good afternoon in Welsh. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Neil. I don't speak well, so I'm not even going to try. <laughs> um, so, Neil, you're a politician based in Wales, obviously. Would you like to just introduce yourself to the listeners for us? Yeah, I'm Neil McAvoy. I'm the member of the Senev, the Welsh Parliament for South Wales Central. I'm leader of the, the Welsh Nation Party. We're, we're a new political party in Wales, set up mainly because we think the, the, the system needs a shake-up. And one of the areas which is desperate for a shake-up is, is children's services. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And, and Sam has, has had a lot of involvement in, in cases involving um, children's services, uh, which is why Sam got in contact with you initially. Yeah, I mean, I think w- what is happening is common right across the UK. Although it, in terms of children being taken into care, babies being taken into care, there's a much higher incidence of that in in Wales, which causes me great, great, great concern. Absolutely. So what is is the um, difference? I mean, I I don't know the the figures. Do you know what the figures are in terms of the difference between sort of England and Wales? Off off the top of my head, I haven't got the figures. Uh, They're much higher. I probably should, have, probably should have got the figures before I came yeah. on. It's I fine. We can find them and, and I, tag them um, the bio. <laughs> I spoke to somebody in Neil's office before and they told me that in some areas of Wales, it's 30% higher than in some areas of England. It's like significantly higher. Yeah. It, it depends on the on the council area, but in some councils almost make a hobby of, of taking children into care. And what really concerns me are the terms they use to prevent future emotional harm. It's almost like uh, you know, the, the old film with, with Tom Cruise, Minority Report, where, where you're guilty before you've actually done anything. Yeah, or we call it um, Kafkas, the Kafkas trap, where you're accused of something, you never quite know what it is you're accused of, and the more you defend yourself, the more they say that you're guilty of what it is, even though, and that's what happens to parents. In, so, you know, if they, if they try and defend themselves, they're told they're not cooperative, so then it just... Is yeah, that your experience? Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm just going through case after case in, in my mind now where, where parents have been said to be uncooperative. And I know for a fact that they have bent over backwards to cooperate. I know they have because I've, I've been helping them do it. Um, me- meetings cancelled, you know, set up for months and then cancelled with, with an hour's notice. I had a member of staff, for example, coming down from the, the north of Wales. She's a a really experienced social worker who I employ to do these cases. And she was in, in the city, she was in Cardiff and, and they canceled the meeting literally an hour before that was Cardiff council. So we had the hotel. So, hotel so people who don't understand the geography of Wales and think, you know, it's just Wales. That's like a four or five hour drive. Uh, it was from it was, it, it, just past the Wrexham area, about three hours drive. Yeah. Um, the roads are better there than, than, than the other side of Wales. But that, that's fairly common. And I, I, my, my real concern as well is the, I'd say, the lack of professionalism that I find maybe through a lack of resource, that there's a lack of honesty, there's a lack of transparency. Uh, I find far too many reports which are, are written, which are incorrect. 
some of them devastatingly so, and they enable children to be taken into care. I'm dealing with a case right now where an absolutely false impression was given to a judge to enable a care order, and uh, I will be making a formal complaint to the South Wales Police on that one, and I want it investigated because I'm, I'm coming across too many cases for this just to be uh, errors that, that, that people make. And, what I find when errors are made, they're just not rectified. And people want to justify what they've done and yeah. we'll move things around. Yeah, I, minutes are fabricated. I mean, uh, this was an eye-opener to me once I got involved in all this, because I, I just, if I, if I hadn't have had the experience that I have had, I would never have believed that it could happen. And I think we're talking about really not a democracy that we live in. But there's a, a technocracy where unelected officials, where there's, there's no, no oversight or very little oversight, very little ability to have recourse, they make life-changing decisions. And there are far too many people whose lives are being ruined, children's lives. I've, I've lost count of the, 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 the amount of mothers that I've come across in states of absolute devastation. Mm. and the lack of the lack of humanity you know one of the things i've discussed with becky in in the cases that i've supported and nobody listens to me because i'm just a doer so i'm not even allowed to have opinions i find solicitors don't listen nobody listens to me nobody's interested in my opinion despite the fact i'm an experienced doer so that means i work with with pregnant women birthing women and newly birthed women despite the fact that i'm an experienced birth trauma worker so some of the women that i speak to are completely traumatized by their births, which then reflects in their behavior because they're in a state of trauma, yeah? And instead of anybody actually helping them, they get penalized and viewed as, as difficult and awkward and dangerous and damaging. When if they were given proper birth trauma therapy, and when I say proper birth trauma therapy, I don't mean birth afterthoughts run by the local hospital, because what you're asking is these women who feel that they've been abused by the hospital themselves to go back into the same place and speak to the same people that they abused them. And anybody who's followed the NHS complaints process knows that all that they really want to do is stop themselves from being sued. So a lot of birth afterthoughts is about not getting people to sue the NHS. Right? So it's always about, like I, I did to work with one woman who's had significant she has had a lot of birth trauma therapy from the nhs but it was still about accepting what happened to her was okay yeah and it wasn't okay and within one three-hour session with me who's not not counselor not a therapist i achieved more in three hours because i was the first person to say to her that wasn't okay what happened to you yeah wasn't okay and then these traumatized women are in this system and if they get reported to social services as I was saying off, off this, the biggest killer or the second biggest killer of women in the childbearing year is suicide, okay? Mm. So then you bring social services into these women's lives and if they do kill themselves, everyone goes, oh, look, you might have killed the baby. We saved the baby, whereas it's their intervention that has brought these women to such a suicidal state in the first place. There's, there seems to be, as well as what you said, the lack of accuracy. I'm really concerned about the lack of humanity you know, even if these women have done something, no woman sets out to harm her baby, yeah? Sometimes it might be from ignorance, lack of parenting skills itself. It's never really deliberate. And they're judged, they're humiliated, they're treated with no compassion. They're, they're sent out of social services meetings. There was one case where I had to send my husband and South Wales police to look for somebody, and we found her on the bridge over the M4. You know, they sent her straight out of a... So they knew that that was likely to happen. 
and they just didn't show any compassion and that's what I see in the you know I'm not in courtrooms and stuff but what I see in the investigation process is an absolute lack of acknowledgement so I, I, I don't hear too well did you say investigation process or did you say cover-up process uh, yeah cover-up <laughs> process and um, I, I don't find it accurate I know there was one case where they put into the notes that she tried to hang herself while mm. she was pregnant and I was like I don't think so I think what happened is she went to the crisis team told them she was having suicidal thoughts yeah. you know if she tried to hang herself and she was pregnant you would have actually sectioned her yeah, yeah. nobody yeah. could identify where this came from because I was asking and then yeah. it was well, well, well we can't change it because well we don't know it's wrong we don't know it's right either but we're not going to change it we're going to leave it there and use it in court against this woman when it's factually completely and totally and utterly inaccurate this would never stand up in criminal court yeah, and if people are given a life sentence without their children a living death it's a living death when somebody takes your children in in a court that that would never stand up anywhere else but this is exactly what, what, what i've been coming across I, I first started getting involved in children's matters in in 2009 um and Initially, I was helping fathers get back into or try to get back into their children's lives through family courts. Generally, it was the grandmothers who would bring the, the cases to me because um, they weren't seeing their grandchildren. And what then happened is, is I got when I got elected to the, I was a, ca- a county councillor. Uh, I got elected to the Welsh Parliament in 2016, and I noticed changing cases. There were there were far more mothers coming to me presenting who weren't seeing their children. I think maybe, maybe through Google and, and things like that people become much more aware of their rights and there seem to be a lot more men preventing contact as uh, yeah. mothers stereotypically as some are supposed to uh, not supposed to as in should do but as some do yeah. and I found a hell of a lot of mums coming to me and then my, my case load then started to digress and change into into children's services cases where uh, couples lots of mothers as well again were coming to me where children's services were threatening to take their children or they had in fact taken their children and many things if you just as you just outlined just did not add up i'll give you an example there was one mum who was uh, said to be neglectful and this and this that and the other um one, one of the major things to to uh enable them to say that she was um neglectful was her missing appoint medical appointments for the other children clearly a, a major issue what they didn't actually put in their report was that mother was in hospital as an inpatient with the youngest child, which is why she was unable to make the other appointments. Now, this was on the record, and I, there were a load of other mistakes made in this particular case. And this was really my, I suppose, not, not a baptism of fire, but a real, an introduction to the real world, if you like, and of children's services, even though I, I thought I knew quite a bit as it was. And this is 2017, so only three years ago. And I was so bothered by this particular case. I didn't have the expertise. I didn't have the time to really do the case properly. Um, I, I got suspended by my former political party at the time, which meant that the, for not nonsense, well, actually, to be frank, for taking an interest in these kind of issues, mm-hmm. because it, it made people very, very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I was told not to do these kind of cases. Uh, and a, lo- a load of other things as well, but th- th- these this area of of topic did did cause concern for, for my party at the time. It was Plaid Cymru was with I'm, I'm with the Welsh Nation Party. I said we started a new party, and 
basically, um, I've lost my train of thought now. What, what was I saying? Um, Talk about a case in 2017. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I, I sort of not naively, I've been in politics 35 years. I, I started getting involved when I was 15. I'm, I'm 50 now. And I thought that when we presented all this evidence to say, look, you know, you've got this wrong kind of council, that the council go, oh my God, let's put things right. <laughs> and they didn't. They ignored the evidence. And we're still fighting that case now. The, the point I was making was because I was suspended, the, the budget that went to Ply Cymru came directly to my office, thankfully. So what I was able to do with that extra budget was employ for a short period, the social worker full time. And the, the only job I gave her was to look at that one case. And she went through mountains of papers, mountains. And we found some pretty shocking stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the child's behavior could be explained by the, the failure of an operation. There was, an operation went wrong. There was a lack of oxygen to the brain, which clearly could affect behavior of the, of the child later. And things like learning difficulties. And, and they, they paid no attention. And what really concerns me is that children like that individual with 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 individual needs are worth a lot of money and this is a nub of a matter because you've got uh, private companies i don't know what the situ situation is like in england but in in wales the labor party has privatized the care of children and 80 percent of children are taken care of by private companies in this country in wales and the the upshot is that these children are worth a hell of a lot of money and people are making millions of pounds. And there are children in care who should not be in care. And as far as I'm concerned, the industry is making a huge profit, a profit expense of families. And I think in terms of the birthing situation, so much more could be done and it's yeah. not being done. And I don't even think it would be more expensive to take care of, of the challenges because ultimately if, if, things were put in place, as you said, about support, uh, postnatal beds, beds for mothers who've been through traumas. If, if staff were trained in, in PTSD to recognize the fact that people are not being awkward, they're not just being aggressive for the sake of it, they're actually suffering. And that it's a medical condition that the, 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 these people yeah. are suffering from. If those because I believe that postnatal yeah. depression is quite often trauma, reactional depression yeah. from birth. And yeah. we give it postnatal postnatal depression label because that's easier than looking at what caused it because mm. if we look at what caused it and the amount of birth trauma caused in the birth room and stop labeling these women and obviously what happens when we give them the wrong diagnosis is it takes longer for them to heal as well because they're given the wrong treatment yeah. um so i do believe that absolutely and becky knows that i also believe that there's beginning to be a prevalence of taking babies from mothers and giving them to fathers and i've spoken to other doulas across UK, the uk who have that feeling as well, that they're seeing more of this happening. And obviously social services aren't as answerable for that because they're not seen as babies taken into care because they're still within the family. So there's not as many questions asked. And the other thing that I have massive issue with, and we have been campaigning on for years, is what you've touched on there, is the lack of mother and baby beds mm. in Wales. Because yeah. England has got places with 13 bedded units and just one county in England will have a 13 bedded unit. We don't have a bed, not one, not one in the whole of Wales, do our babies ascent? And so even if you think that thinking that there's money involved in it is a conspiracy theory, the fact is it's very expensive to care for our women who have postpartum psychosis, severe postnatal depression, severe birth trauma, because there's nowhere to put them. 
And mm. then not only is there nowhere to put them, because we don't have the units and we don't have the beds, we also don't have the specialist staff. Yeah. Because those specialist staff are in those units. So yeah. all the consultants and the perinatal mental health specialists, they're not in Wales. Yeah. They're in the perinatal mental health units. The closest one is Bristol. But mm. I know women who've been sent up north, who've been sent down to Devon and Cornwall, away from their families, away from their support now, especially in COVID, because nobody can even go and see mm. them. Yeah, I think in terms of the investment, clearly there, there would be an upfront uh, yeah. cost and that would cost a lot. But in, in the medium term, just after a few years, I, I feel that the it would save money. But aren't our women and babies worth this? Do you know, why are we sending our women across the... No offence to it, no, my lovely English friend by here, or my husband is also English, but why are we sending Welsh women and babies across the border to be cared for in another country? Like, just why is that even happening? And then what we're that's done, though, as well, is that, you know, the, the care that's given is very reactionary and actually um, iatrogenic. So, you know, what is, like you were saying, is that often people suffer with um birth trauma um you know and, and it is from from poor care in the first place so mm -hmm. it's it's being yeah. caused by those people that actually spoke supposed to be caring for our families and then they don't want that you know once you've had a significant birth trauma and you've got a midwife or a health visitor knocking on your door and you see those people as the people who caused your trauma you don't want to let them in it's no. not because you want to hide the baby. It's because you're scared of the people who are supposed to care for you. And that's the system that at the moment we are working on. And what we're seeing as birth workers is an increase in social services being used as a threat of compliance. So for women who won't comply, particularly women who don't want to go into hospital, you know, understandably, they want to stay home and birth their babies. Um, for those who are listening, who aren't experienced in this, in the UK, women have complete body autonomy. So even if your body's being taken, your baby's being taken into care as soon as it's born, you still have the right to choose your own birth plan. That is the legal position at the moment in this country. But social services being used as a threat of compliance. Oh, oh, wow. If you can't care for your baby in the womb, how do we know you're going to make good decisions when it's born? We might have to just make a referral and then they do what's called a pre, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but they do a full assessment on these people before they've even had a baby. So they assess their parenting skills before the baby's ever born. It's just, you know, and, and this risk of future harm, let's punish you for a crime you've not actually committed. Do you see the same social services threats around the birth yes. room? So, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't think I see it quite as much as you, Sam, because you're obviously right in, in the middle of it and you've got a massive group of people telling you all these stories all the time. And this is definitely not something that I come across prior to the coronavirus, to the pandemic. But definitely, you know, since um, being in the pandemic, I've supported a number of people that... Um, uh, because of their birth choices have been threatened with social services. I've been bullied and slandered by other birth workers, including midwives and healthcare professionals. Um, and so, so Neil, you're in great company here because you know, <laughs> we, we, you know, we do speak out about, about these things that we're seeing and hearing and you know, um, very much feel that. It, you know, our families in the UK need people like us to be bringing mm -hmm. these, these issues forward. So, I mean, you know, I didn't say it at the beginning and I will say it again at the end, but we're just really grateful that you've been able to come to talk to us today and that we can put this podcast out there to sort of raise the issue mm -hmm. that, you know, social services are being used as a tool to, you know, make people um, be compliant 
and do as they're told and definitely the pandemic seems to be um an excuse for everything yeah. i mean is that something that you've you've sort of noticed neil as well yeah totally i think again i i first got elected back in 1999 so i've got 20 21 years now and there is there's been a sea change i'd say in the last six five the last five to six years where coercion now is the norm bullying mm, yeah. of families is the norm these officials get away with it and when you have a few not many a few politicians like me for example trying to stick up for families we're the ones who are absolutely hammered i mean i i was i was suspended i'm, I'm a member of the welsh parliament i'm a i'm a county councillor as well um, I'm hoping not to be a county councillor after the next election. I won't stand again. But um, I was suspended from local government for four weeks. For, sorry, four months. What am I talking about? Four months. And all I actually did was pick up the telephone, phone a care home, and inquire about the welfare of a child who claims, claimed past tense, present tense, claims it's been abused by staff in that home. It's a private company. Child's worth a lot of money. That and the accusations that were thrown at you there, Neil, are the same mm. accusations that are thrown at people involved in social services, non-cooperative, aggressive, mm. yeah. or it's exactly well, the same, it's just well, now they're addressing them at a politician instead of yeah. a family. What, what was, again, even more worrying was there was one interaction on the telephone, it wasn't recorded, the person who the child alleging, is alleging has abused it was the person who made the complaint, and... There was a second interaction where I went to attend a therapy meeting. I just wanted to know what the therapy the child was having and how come they didn't even know the child had a had a statement, an educational statement. They, they unbelievable. You know, they, anyway, so those are questions I wanted to ask. My my background is education. I used to be a teacher. I, I specialised in additional learning needs. So I was there as a politician representing constituents or with them actually because they were fed up with being bullied in meetings and. But I was also there with my professional teaching head on. Uh, I had some questions to ask in a professional sense. And this, well, because I turned up, even though they knew I was going, they cancelled the meeting. Again, there's this lack of cooperation. We, we travelled peak time, peak traffic time, because they wouldn't rearrange the, the time of the meeting from Cardiff to Swansea, which is not easy with, with the, the poor state of the roads here. And when, when we got there, they cancelled the meeting. And they then accused me of shouting, of pointing, of being aggressive, of uh, insulting the staff. What they didn't realise was that the dad was had his phone on and was recording. So the only thing coming out of my mouth was, as I'm speaking now, which was professionally uh, in a measured way, uh, I didn't swear, I didn't shout, I didn't throw insults out. Um, and yet, despite them having lied, because they did lie, and I was able to prove they lied, I was still found guilty because what the... What uh, Professor James Down of Cardiff University said, uh, he was chair of the, the panel, uh, the, the standard ethics panel, was that basically, even though the recording proved I wasn't shouting and I wasn't speaking in an aggressive way, they couldn't see me. There was no video. So I could well have been pointing. My face could have been aggressive. So they threw me out of government for four, four, four months. So you've got an unelected so-called professor from a university who I believe has, has political prejudices anyway, uh, everyone is politicised, um, able to take out a local government, a councillor, for four months for simply picking the phone up 
and inquiring about a child who's who's claiming abuse in care. Mm. And you've got the, the local government ombudsman in 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 Wales agreeing with that decision. And um, but then when when you look in, into the the detail of it, the politics of it, I mean, um, there's a whole layer of people out there who make a lot of money from the government, but they're not elected. And politicians who want to ask questions, who want to get to the bottom of things, who want to represent their constituents. I mean, it's like a bit of a turkey shoot, to be honest, with the, the amount of things thrown at us. It's, um, as I said, we, we start a new political party because we're just so concerned. There's mm -hmm. a huge, huge, huge democratic deficit. We, we're losing rights. And COVID has, has just magnified everything. Yeah. Uh, and there's a whole culture out there now where it doesn't matter. The rule of law doesn't matter. Due process does not matter. Mm. A few people behind the scenes will decide what happens, and children will lose lose mothers. Children will children will lose fathers. They lose, lose grandparents, and politicians will lose office. Yeah, they decided. Yeah, yeah. So, so some of the other things that we're seeing um, is uh, one thing that we've posted recently about actually is when a baby needs to be taken to NICU. It's um, from a mother who's tested positive with COVID and um, the one recently we posted about was a, a lady in Birmingham who was um, separated from her newborn baby for 10 days. Oh my God. Uh, exactly. And you know, That's we have so many people saying, well, it doesn't happen in the UK. I was like, yes, it, it is happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is actually, you know, the guidelines are there that this is what's happening. And then you've got other people saying, oh, but that's going to be the minority of people. It's like, well, it doesn't matter if it's the minority of people. You know, think how traumatic that is for, yeah. for that family yeah. and that baby. Yeah. If a parent was to abandon a baby in Nikku for 10 days without going to visit it, they'd probably never see that baby again. Yeah. It's just double standards and it's not evidence-based. The mother and baby are one. You know, the baby's been inside the mum. If the mum's COVID positive when that baby's been born, that baby's already been exposed to it. You know, that's just common sense. And mothers or babies in Nikku we shared one, I shared one yesterday, um, they weren't allowed to handle it. They weren't allowed to breastfeed it not even because they were COVID positive but just because of COVID policies it's just all mad and it yeah. was also in Wales that there was the case where they, they refused to give the baby to the grandparents and then the father killed the adopted father killed the baby that was also in Wales yeah I've kept, come across a, a case recently as well where some pretty serious allegations were made about there, there was an issue with, 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 with the baby it was an accident that they said it may not have been an accident, so let's be safe. Um, put mum, because mum wasn't the suspect, um, put mum and uh, baby with grandparents, you know, to, to make sure everyone's safe. And th they found horrendous, um, a horrendous history about the grandparents, uh, the, the um, paternal grandparents in particular. Anyway, so that so the, the baby is in care, or the young child is in care. And guess what? What? They had the wrong person. Oh, oh no! They had the wrong name. What they accused the, the the maternal grandfather of just was not true. And I mean, I, I'm coming across this more and more often now. We, we, off camera, we talked about it anonymously about a case that I, I was dealing with or am dealing with still, and horrendous allegations were made by the parents to justify taking the baby into care immediately. And ultimately, only when I threatened the, to bring the Southwest police in, uh, they did a forensic examination of the case and found that they'd cut and pasted the wrong file. Wrong Just parents. Awful. I just... mean, it, it beggars belief. 
Mm. How many people's lives are they ruining by these inaccuracies? Um, yeah, horrendous. The entire thing is they destroy people's mental health. They don't take any acknowledgement of how absolutely horrendous it is to have your children taken away. And then they blame you for being, you know, and I find myself saying to people, I quote this quite often, I say to people, you have to be upset enough for them to realise that you care about your children, but not so upset that they accuse you of being emotionally unstable. And I find myself giving that out as a piece of advice and listening to myself and thinking, what the fuck are you actually saying to these people that you actually, you know, and I'm obviously, don't cry, don't cry too much. But you can shed a little tear at the end of your supervised contact session so that they know that you care. But if you cry too much, they'll accuse you of emotionally harming the baby. You're just like, what? Of course you're going to cry if you haven't seen your baby for a month and you're only just seeing it for the first time and you don't know when you're going to see it again and you don't know if somebody's going to ever let you see it again. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there are so many, so many inadequacies right across the... The, the, the right across the system but in, in particular as, as we as you mentioned mental health mm. i mean i had a case and i referred the, the mother to, to women's aid actually and they, they weren't very helpful to be honest um but um, to cut a long story short later on mother presented herself to a psychiatrist and got a diagnosis and mm. she was on the wrong medication which explained uh, her behavior and if a professional would have seen her when she should have been seen or if, if for example if the women's aid would have, if they'd have made a referral to to somebody in, in mental health then uh maybe mum wouldn't have lost uh the the, the, the children and uh i mean I'm, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying but this, this individual then tried to take her own life and um was in a coma for four, four weeks yeah and these are the I real know somebody who, we, who got to Landock and because she got there, they told her she couldn't be suicidal enough and they sent her away again. Landock was, is our local mental yeah. health crisis team. So she got there, got herself there and then was told she wasn't bad enough and then they sent her away again. Because, you know, but, if you can get there, then you're not bad enough. It's yeah. just all mad. Yeah. You know, so what, what would you like to achieve? Would you just like people to share their stories, more awareness raising, Neil? Um, well, we got, we've got an event on the 20th of... November, um, yeah, International Day of the Child. We we will be marching. We'll, we'll, it's either going to be City Hall or County Hall. It depends. City Hall to the Welsh Parliament will be a hell of a walk. It'll be um, about a mile and a half, um, a mile and three quarters. If we don't walk from there, then we'll, we'll walk from the from County Hall, which is about uh, a quarter of a mile. It's, uh, so we need we're going to have a meeting on Friday on Zoom to decide what we're going to do, and. We, what we want to do is raise awareness of the number of parents who lose children unfairly. Yeah. And this is just is not on the public ra public public radar because people think if your kids are taken into care, there's a good reason for it. We'd all like to think there is, but actually, uh, I've come across many many cases where there are no good reasons. And if we had early interventions, if we had family supported, then why not look what Scandinavia they they, they take whole families into mm -hmm. care. So they keep mm. the family together. They support the parents. And, and that's the thing. If those where there is a need for intervention, if service provisions hadn't been slashed so badly, mm. the people were given the care that they need when they need it, then we wouldn't be taking those children, even those ones where there is a reason to take it into care. It's not normally willful abuse, more 
lack of ability because of previous trauma so that those people if they were properly supported it would never get to that in the first place mm. uk is one of the very few european countries that has forced adoption and forced adoption on something that hasn't actually happened as well i'd like it outlawed in wales that, that's yeah. that's what um we will we'll be launching a petition on the 20th as well and we're calling for a, a public inquiry or maybe a judge-led inquiry into children's services in wales because we want some analysis i, I want to know which, for example, I'd like it collated. Which managers have made these decisions? Is it, are we talking about the same managers? Are we talking about the same judges in courts making sometimes what seem to be perverse? And why is there such regional variation hmm. yeah. in numbers of yeah. numbers per head, really? Because obviously some of our areas yeah. are bigger than others. But there shouldn't be all these regional variations yeah. and all these different, this area has more, this area has less, this area has a better early prevention team, this area doesn't. All yeah. these parents deserve the same... They all deserve good care, not the same yeah. care, because I don't think it's brilliant anyway. With our office, though, I don't think we've got the, the resource to do what needs to be done, because we, we're looking probably at thousands of people here who need mm. the op ability, they need the opportunity to be able to tell their story. And they need to be able to produce the children's services report, which is highly inaccurate in some cases. Um, because th there's no way of overturning these things. The, once mistakes are made, they're compounded and they're yeah. accepted as fact when actually they're not facts. They're, they're actually errors and people's lives are being ruined. And I, I get, I'm, I'm sort of a bit frustrated, if you like, with the, with the Welsh Parliament because you've got a number of um, male and female uh, elected members there who profess their they're feminists and they're, they're always talking about feminism and why can't women earn the same amount of money as men in, in high-flying business so you know, women only get 200,000 why can't they get 2 million and yet there are, there are some massive issues affecting everyday women in Wales and yes. they're just not addressed there's no mm -hmm. interest in supporting and fighting for working class women in Wales and you know it's about time that. I call them virtue signalers. I'm, I'm not on the right, by the way. I'm told that's a right-wing expression. What I mean is people who, in public just talk about things and say, no, will be popular, and they want to be, oh, I'm anti-racist, and so on. And I'm anti-this, yeah. I'm anti-that. But actually, um, they're not really. Yeah, it's lip service. We call it talking the talk, not walking the walk. Yeah. Yeah. So they say the right things, well, I, but it's all words and no action. Well, you know, I, I'm a mixed-race person, and I, I'm, I've been listening to, in... I've seen some quite racist behaviour in, in the Senate, actually, from elected members. Nothing was done about it. And, you know, I, I've opened my mouth now and said, well, hey, this is, uh, you know, some of this, some of this is racist. I, I'm banned from speaking because I've actually talked about my lived experience. And um, so that, that's the race issue there but and colour issue. But the, the issue of gender, which politicians in Wales constantly go on about. But nobody ever talks about these issues mm. other yeah. than me. And you know, no, nobody supports these mothers out there. Why not? Why not? There's, there is so much censorship going on, uh, it's particularly at the moment, and Sam and I have, have come across that as well. Um, you know, being on a local MVP page, I've been banned from it because I was asking questions, mm -hmm. you know, on behalf yeah. of service members. Yeah. Um, it just And even now on our local MVP, I did talk about this in one of the other podcasts I, I was on recently, is that service users are being silenced from telling mm -hmm. their negative stories. They only want to hear positive stories. And yeah, it's, um, it's just yeah, not helpful. Yeah. Can, can I say as well, people who 
interact with me on social media if they're dealing with children's services i would tell them openly inbox me don't put things on my page because uh they my page is monitored and i know people um are are bullied and threatened if they if they support me on on social media so it's not just you guys who are being censored um it's it's people like me as well Mm -hmm. um you know i'm in the parliament trying to make points and they turn my microphone off just like, you know, I mean, this these kind of things just didn't happen ten years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. we although here I, I think the 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 optimistic thing is that we have Welsh elections next year, so people can have their say, people can vote, and and, and they can vote for change. But I mean, really, really worrying times. And and I would like to ask anybody who is involved or comes across a family who's being investigated by social services to keep an open mind because that layer of shame and judgment that families involved with social services experience and those in the wider community is another traumatizing experience. If you've lost your children, you deserve sympathy and care, not everybody to look down on you because this is heartbreaking. You know, there is no word really for a parent who's lost their child who's alive. You know, there's no parent actually word for a parent who's lost their child who's died either. But it is, it is, you know, you know they're there somewhere, but you can never see them or you can see them once a month for two hours, you know, let's traumatize you every month. I just in, in terms of advice, what, what I would advise every parent out there to do is to record every single interaction they have with children's services, with people in authority, make sure it is digitally recorded. Put your phone on, record. There's no need to tell people you're recording. If you're asked if you are recording, there's, there's no need to, to uh, answer that question. You don't have to. It's not illegal. What you can do then is you can keep the recording for your own self-defense. You can keep the recording in the public interest to make sure that things are done fairly. And in terms of the admissibility to court, they will accept transcripts. So what, you, what is a good idea then is once you have the recording, is to get a sit down and, and go through it and t- get the transcript, back it up as well. E- email it to yourself. If the file's too big, Facebook it to yourself. What- WhatsApp it to yourself. If the file's too big, you can go on and download um, WeTransfer, for example. You can download that and you can send large files to yourself. But you have to be able to prove what has happened. Otherwise, you leave yourself vulnerable to being lied about. That- that's-, that's a sad reality. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Neil, we're going to um, put up any kind of links that you want to put up. Our, uh, when we put the podcast out, we'll put a, a little bio on there. So we'll be able to tell, you know, show the listeners w- where to go if they want more information on your um, protest and the petition that you're, you're organising. Um, mm-hmm. And so we'll, we'll sort that out after we've finished finish the recording. Um, I'd be really interested, actually. It's made me want to go away and find out actually what's, you know, what is going on in, in England to see, you know, what the... Um, you know, whether there are any other MPs like you, Neil, that are standing up for families that are involved with, with children's services, it would be really, really interesting to find that out. If you want any questions, Sam, um, ask the Welsh Government, or if you want any research done, just fire, it, fire in the questions and we'll put it into research and I can ask yeah. questions to the Government as well. Really good. Um, Sam, have you got any last words? No, I think we've covered lots. You know what, what for me and, and what I keep banging, you know, I keep banging on about it. I've got my video called Birth Rate by Social Services and various other things is the lack of humanity and the lack of transparency. Yeah. You know, if Family Court was open, this wouldn't be happening. 
these families are gagged and silenced and they can't share their stories. If they keep their children, they're gagged. If they don't keep their children, they're gagged, you know? So it's kind of, we need to open up. And I want to raise awareness so that, you know, at least we can encourage people to be compassionate and care about people who've lost their children and stop judging them and stop looking at them through that lens of disgust and and start caring and being kind. That's it for me. Thank you so much, Neil, for coming and talking to us. Yeah. Can I just say, I came across a regulation today where um, the media can attend family courts. Ooh. Yeah. Um, they can't report. They, they, they can't obviously identify people, but they can attend. I'll, I'll, I'll dig up the regulation. Fantastic. That'll be really helpful for, for any of the listeners experiencing that at the moment. So wait, once again, Neil, thank you so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate you. Know that you're so busy. So really, really um, appreciate you you know spending your time to to come and talk to us today and um you know i for one will be following how your petition goes and obviously hopefully fingers crossed it will you know there'll be some improvements in in the future it just needs us all uh, because you know i I include you neil in the activists um Mm -hmm. label (laughs) (laughs) you are now and um you know we all just need to keep going with this and you know and I know you've done so much work already with this and and for that I know there are probably you know many families that will thank you for that so yeah thanks Thanks. for joining us I'm an activist I just happen to be elected (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) a legal activist yeah (laughs) okay that's it for today and see you again next time bye thanks Neil thanks a lot you're off and Thank you for listening to the Birth Activists podcast. Until next time.